Good morning. All right, here we go. Uh, in the beginning, God said, let us, let us make humans in our image. I, I never want you to forget that sentence. Let us make them in our image. What's the operative thing? Us and our. Most of us grew up with an idea of God, that God is remote, He's static. Am I close? Put your hand up if I'm close. He's up there somewhere. He is really a powerful, glorified version of Santa Claus. <laughs> Truthfully. I mean, a lot more powerful, a little sterner. Is this something close to what you get? Beard, pretty much has a beard. Male, very far up there, making a list and definitely checking it twice. Doesn't need to check, already has it memorized. God's marking down everything that you do. Is this close? Okay. So the, the, the hard thing about my whole job is, you know, people say, oh, oh me, me, Chris, he's the pastor. And then people, like, they literally they scurry like mice. And because people have had this idea of God, and it's been so baked into our heads that the idea is that pretty much God's so bored with everything that all he really does is sit up there, watch you, waits for you to screw up so he can take a note, so he can bring it into your face at judgment day. I mean, that's pretty much how most of us grew up. And uh, I want to try to do something that is going to sound revolutionary to you, but it's actually not at all revolutionary. It's as old as the first chapter of the Bible. I'm just trying to take us back. Let us. Wait, us. Make human in our image. This somehow plurality of God. Now also somewhere in your upbringing of church, if you had any, quick survey, who had some upbringing in church? And it doesn't matter, you're you're welcome if you did or didn't, because a lot of us, I didn't, so there you go. Uh, okay, you were introduced to this idea called the Trinity, right? Father, Son, and... All right. And so, but it was just like something that you, you didn't understand, so they told you about it, and they said, just kind of put it over here and forget about it because you're never going to understand it anyway, which is kind of true. But the one thing I would just like to bring out before I talk about the importance of the need for tribe is I want to bring this out. If the nature of God is plural, then God's not sitting up alone on a throne. And if the nature of God is us and our, and then he makes us in his image, we must need to be somehow Plural. Chris, why, what are you getting into this? Because the fundamental part of what it means to be a human being, like if you're going to be successful at being a human being, I don't mean successful in like you made a lot of money and that's American success, but successful in being a human being. Anybody interested? Like, I'd like to be a, 
not successful American, not successful funny. I'm talking about successful as a human being. Like, like God made you, there you are. In the image of God, he made us. So what's the image of God? Well, somehow there's this father, son, somehow there's, there's family, somehow there's connectedness. Somehow, I feel like Mr. Tony today, like in kids' world. <laughs> Nothing's going to disappear, trust me. <laughs> or hopefully catch on fire. Did I say hopefully? What does it mean to be a human being? That's the first thing you have to ask. Well, if I want to be any good at it. In other words, if you're good at it, you're gonna, somehow you're gonna, there's going to be you're going to feel good. You're going to be healthy and happy and whole. We'll call it that. You got to know what you are. And maybe the best way I can say it is that you're a part of something. You're a part of something that's bigger than you. The one thing you wouldn't do is take this little piece and just set it alone by itself and go, voila. This screams at you to do what? Connect to something else. So in Genesis it says it's not good, very beginning, it's not good that the human is alone. This, something's not right about this. The very nature of it screams, connect me to something else. And so you go looking around and you, you try to find something else to what? Connect to. Now we know this. On May 3rd, the Surgeon General, the, the, you know what I love? I just, what, what fascinates me is when the scripture and, and science, they, they just start talking the same language. Because how many know the truth is the truth? It, it don't matter what you call it, what label you put, it's just the truth. It's not good that the human's alone. May 3rd, Vivek Murthy, our Surgeon General since 2014, did a tour of the United States. He said, I just wanted to go on a listening tour. It reminded me of, of what Gandhi did when he went from South Africa back to his home country of India. Just a listening tour. I just need to hear what's going on. And he thought the problems were this. And he comes out with this report in May. And this is what he said. I read you what the scripture said, right? It's not good that the human is alone. This is what the Surgeon General said. Significant health consequences of loneliness and isolation. When we are poorly connected, and then I'll get into the data that we are poorly connected. When we're poorly connected, 29% increased risk of heart disease. Surgeon General, May 3rd, look it up. You can download the PDF. 32% increased risk of stroke. Now let me, just, let me just ask you a quick question. If I told you today, hey, I got a little, I got a little gizmo, on the way out, if you just grab one and just, just a little pill, you just pop it in, your risk of stroke will go down by 32%. Who's buying? I thought I would get, I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 50% increased odds of developing dementia among older I'm reading it as it's written. I am not a doctor. 60% increased risk of premature death. Plus, 
depression more than double. Increased anxiety, and listen to this. I don't know how they quantify this exactly, but again, I'm, I'm bringing this to the surface. This report said, as bad or worse than being obese or 15 cigarettes a day, being isolated. How many go, thank God I don't have to go to the gym anymore. I just got to join a small group. Huh? Pastor set me free today. Set me free. All right. Got to get in that small group. You guys have a sense of humor, don't you? Does anybody have a sense of humor? Or you... What did he do? You guys are going to be talking about it all afternoon. He went like, I'm preaching. Dear Pastor. In 20 years, Orchard Grove started just, well, 1999, so about the 20 years, people in their 20s, suicide has gone up 60%. People that decide, I don't want to live anymore, for people in their 20s. The 20s. I mean, the 20s, you get your whole life to think about. You got everything in front of you. For 10 to 14 year olds, suicide rates in the last 20 years tripled. Something is wrong. Something is very, very wrong. I just have to start there. I need your attention. I need you to stop just waffling along and let the river of life just take you wherever it goes. I think some of us need us. Now, I could spend all day contrasting these stats with, with less affluent, with... Uh, less modern societies all around the globe. I could spend all morning doing that. I think I've made that point over time here. That other societies with a lot less money don't have any kind of close to the mental illness challenge that we're facing. And all the fingers are pointing back to this thing. We were built to be connected but we pulled ourselves apart. Now, I'm not here to give, this is not anyone's fault. I'm not here to throw shame on you. I'm here to just open your eyes. Right? We just, you were just born here or close to here or you ended up here, <laughs> wherever. It's not your fault you, for, the, for the pond you were thrown into. But there does come a time when you have to wake up and smell the coffee and say, well, what's going on here? Why are 10 to 14-year-olds taking their life 
And all you can really do is look and, and, and see what is it about our society that's so different from others where they don't have these. And then, of course, as we're going to do throughout this whole thing, I'm going to look at the Scripture because I think there's so much wisdom to show us that, you know, there's an answer there. And the, 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 the book that I read that, that stirred my title for this series called Tribe, they, they contrast other cultures that don't have anywhere near our monetary resources, but they are economically reliant on each other. That's a key thing. Just think about this for a minute. Like, most of you are going to be nice to me today. You know what I mean? You'll greet me on the atrium. That was pretty good. That one part was kind of shaky, but it was a pretty good message. Thank you. and appreciate you. But for the most part, then you're going to go home to all your problems, and they're still going to be your problems, and they are my problems. And I'm going to go home to all my problems, and they're going to be mine. They're not going to be yours. That's the truth. It's the society that we live in. If I felt incredibly vulnerable and incredibly brave, I might, at the, and if we were here for like eight hours, I might, you might wear me down and I might share one of my struggles with you. But the minute I'm away and I'm alone by myself, that struggle is like a thousand pounds weighing on me. But that's not how it used to be. People used to need each other. And financially, it's been a mixed bag. That's just the truth. It's just the data. Financially, it's a mixed bag because now I don't need you and you don't need me, but we need each other. You, you used to live in societies where you couldn't get through the month. You couldn't get through the month without your neighbors. You weren't going to make it through the harvest season without your neighbor. You weren't going to build a barn by yourself. Is anybody with me? By the way, by the way, speaking of building barns, you can do some research. Oh, my good buddy Wayne there. I love you, buddy. Pray for you. Lost his sweet wife 64 years, 62 or 62 years. We were talking about going to Shipshawana, you know, with his wife down Amish country. They don't build barns by themselves. Who builds a barn? Everybody in the community. And then they go, here you go. How many know that's better? How many know that's better? Everybody's happier. Where's the mortgage on the barn? Don't have one. You know, you know what they also don't have in Amish society, according to this book and report? Suicide. I'm not saying there's never been one, but it's drastically different because they live, what? They live communally. It's crazy. How are, you, how are we going to fix this? I, I don't think five weeks is going to do it. Let me at least be honest there. But what I'm going to try to do is dip the toe in the water. Um, a couple of you, I'm going to give a hip check into the pool. But either way, either way, we got to try. I'm going to talk about technology and what technology has done. It's not been all bad. So here's what we're doing. Oh, Chris, I'm glad you told me. We need to be together. This is you. 
This is your neighbor. This is that cool guy that moved in down the block. There's the one guy that's a really good golfer. There you go. This is cousin. He's fun. We're going to have a party. I like parties. I like, I like parties. It's fun. I get invited to parties. We have once in a while. Everybody, we're getting everybody in there. And you sit around and think, well, who are the fun people? Don't lie. Oh, this person's fun. Oh, my goodness. What if we had, anybody with me? Throwing a party. Huh? Get some strobe lights in there. Huh? Man, do I know modern culture or what, man? Am I? Whew, how was the party? It was great. I'm tired. My head hurts. Bumped into a lot of things. Connected are they? Chris, I'm not saying you can't get connected. I'm not saying it's impossible to meet somebody there that you might get their phone number, that this, that this. I'm not saying that. But how many know we've been replacing this instead of building barns? What are we supposed to do, Chris? Because we don't need any barns. Ain't no farmers here, Chris. We'll get to it. Social media. I'll get some friends. I'll get connected. I just got me an InstaFace account. I told you I'm with it. Hmm? I'm going to give you some likes. Huh? Well, you know, get some likes up in there. Oh, guess who just liked my post? They love me. Huh? Don't they love you online? Oh, they're pouring in. The likes are pouring in. People be loving me. Ready? Social media. That's how, that's how I'm going to get connected. Now, can you meet somebody on social media? Yeah. Can you get a job? Yeah. Can you find a wife? Yeah. A lot of stuff you can do. I'm not saying it's all bad. But if you think that's what's going to make you connected, you might want to think again. Should I turn it on? How many know if I turn this on, what's going to happen? They're all going to come out with just one. Oh, well, that's never going to turn on. We can know that right now. Thank you. Oh, thank you. See, we're so tribal. Look at that. This is never going to turn on. Sorry, dear. So we think, if... and then what happens? You come out of social media, what are you? Not connected, you're bruised. Nicked up. Say, Chris, you're just a hater today. No. 
I don't care. Do, do what you need. The report, I read a report last, a couple weeks ago when I was in, I mean, they say like a half hour of it, it's probably good. It's good to meet your old classmate, your college coach, your this, you know, and how you, obviously, a lot of good can come from it. But if you think it's going to take away this problem, it's not. In fact, what they're telling us is it's exacerbating the problem because it, it advertises, I mean, the word is friend. I friended you. Bam. Just like that, we're friends. I mean, you ain't done nothing for me to hit the button. I mean, I get it, it's just a language now. But the fact that it is just a language now. I mean, when you used to friend somebody, that would mean like you helped them build their barn. You stayed up all night. Blood, sweat, and tears. The shallow, the shallowness that social media is, is bruising a lot of people. You have to start with this, like, what did God make me? Then, how, Chris, how do we get connected? And that's a good question, right? In our modern society, let me tell you some of the things that we're going to address. Technology, we're going to address the pace of society. Ain't nobody telling you to slow down. Ain't no one telling you, you know what, just bring your kids three times a week to soccer. That's fine. Is that, anybody get that memo? Because we care about your family. You probably should spend time with them. And the pace, the technology, consumerism. What's consumerism? Well, what, how, do you, how do you get your coffee? Drive down the road. And I look for the kind of coffee that I like. Is anybody with me? Don't tell me Big B. I'm sorry if you own Big B. Don't tell me Big B, Karina. No, we all have our own special coffees we like, right? I like this. I like this. I want Tim Hortons. I want. So we just. But it, how does society used to work? Well, you went into town and you went to the coffee place and you drank the coffee that they had. And you knew the person behind the counter that served you the coffee. You know, my, like, it wasn't even that long ago. My dad used to drive truck, and then we would stop at Imogene's for donuts. We always go to Imogene's for donuts. And uh, it was the same little place, you know. It was like the Cheers bar down by my dad's truck stop there. Everybody knew your name. What do you have, Jerry? What's the usual? Get it all out. Chris could go in there, no money, any time of the week, eat donuts. Dad will cover it sometime later in the week. When he ran out of coffee, you know what he'd do? He'd get up out of his little stool there behind the counter and grab the coffee pot. Before he filled his up, he'd go around the restaurant, fill up everybody else's coffee. Still remember it. Pour coffee for everybody. Then he'd pour his, put it back down. 
How many know we're craving that? We're craving to belong. That's what, that's what we want. Can I tell you something about that coffee? It wasn't Starbucks. It was probably sub-grade coffee. But how many know it never tastes better? Never tasted better. The thing that we're craving is community. We're craving this. But we're not getting it at the rave parties. Couldn't help it. I, watched, I had to watch the 30 for 30 on Dennis Rodman. I had to. My boy. Dennis would go out. Michael Jordan said, man, Dennis would party his butt off. He said he partied till 5 o'clock in the morning and come to a game and run like a gazelle. How many know a war on him? And a war on him and a war on him and a war on him and a war on him. And there's all kinds of people around Dennis. One of his bodyguards said to him one day, tears, Dennis, these people don't care about you. Because they saw him just getting abused and abused. There was no connection. They don't care about you. And Dennis, with his own tears, said, don't you know I don't know that? It's like we're substituting the shallow for the real. Kind of like a Lego, but a little bit cooler. They call them magformers, and this was a gift for Charlie from some friends here at the church. Magnetic. You get them right here, and then they they draw. Because I think it's more than just realizing that, that we're, we're, we're this peace that just screams to be connected. But I think there's something inside of us that's pulling us together. And the world that we live in is pulling us what? You're going to live alone. You're going to die alone. You're going to make it on your own or you're not going to make it on your own. Most other societies weren't that way. They all saw themselves as winning and losing together, surviving or not surviving together. So, Chris, well, how are you going to do something about that in this modern world? Ready? The body of Christ. The body of Christ. The church. Paul said this. Ephesians 4, Paul talked about the body just over and over and over and over again. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. It's each part, you're a part, you're a part. You're not the whole, you're a part. Each part does its own special work and helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and what? Full of love. I can tell you this, if 
pastored this church for 24 years now. Before that, I worked with students. I can tell you the one thing that is not prioritized in our culture anymore. It used to be. It is not a priority in our culture. That is the body of Christ. Doesn't matter. This last priority is the least most important thing in your life. Most important things are hockey and soccer and dance and what are we doing? So you can put this kid up here and go, look at that. They're so wonderfully alone. So decorated. I ain't going to fix it. I already decided in my lifetime I am not going to fix it. I really wish I could, but I say, Chris, well, you're, you're going to be swimming upstream. I, trust me, I know. But here's what I decided. I decided rather than capitulate, I will at least struggle. Rather than surrender, I'm at least going to struggle. When it comes to technology, when it comes to the calendar, because everybody's just going to push. They're just going to push and push and push and push. And you have to decide at one point what you belong. Paul said in the body, everybody's important. Every part matters. And our society's perfecting the art of making people feel not necessary by automating things, which is good financially efficiency thing. I, I get it. I can do math. But what's increased in our society is the sense that you don't matter. And nothing can be further from the truth. So what I want to do for five weeks is I want to do a five-week experiment where you change the priorities in your life. And this, this Saturday, I'm there, well, maybe once before, but I'm going to call for a day of fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer. Um, and then we're, we're, at the end, we'll, we'll celebrate with a, with a dinner together, with a whole day of fasting. Because maybe it could alert us to something. I don't have time to teach about fasting, but it does something to you. First thing, for a lot of us, it makes us cranky. It does something, it does something to you. It affects you. I don't want to be cranky. Why would I do something? Because sometimes you... You need a wake-up call. Because you know what we tend to do? We just numb ourselves. So we're all addicts in some degree, but we numb ourselves with the food, with drugs, with this. We numb ourselves with rave parties. We just numb ourselves. I don't want to know the truth, that I'm alone and isolated. I don't want to know that. I don't want to know that my neighbors are hurting, my friends are. I don't want to know that. Day of fasting and prayer. We're going to culminate with a tribal dinner of community. For five weeks, I want to ask you to commit to try being tribal. And I will teach you what I think that means. I will try to teach you the answer. I hope you're not really depressed. But I'm going to try to teach tribal living, biblical family of God, body of Christ living. 
None of us do it perfectly, and we won't solve it all tomorrow, but we sure can struggle instead of surrender. If you're game, there's a little card. Did you get one? It said, I'm going tribal. Did you get one? All right. I want you to, I want you to make a commitment. Thanks, Michelle. I appreciate it so much. I appreciate it. It's like this. Did you get one? All right. I want you to fill it out right now. And I want you to make a commitment. Maybe you make both. I'm attending all five weeks. I'm going to attend a small group. I'm going to come to the tribal dinner. All right? Five weeks. It won't kill you. Make a commitment. On the way out, I want you to just hand this. There's some um, people on the way out, some tribe members. You're going to give this to them. In a, they're going to give you a bracelet that says, go tribal. And you're going to pray. I think good conversations are going to come. We're already having them on our team. Well, I got, a, I got a 14-year-old. What do you mean? Just tell them to put their phone down? and they're going to, Trust me. I got a 4-year-old. But surrender or struggle, what do you want to do? Anybody with me? I'm going to surrender my kid to the forces that be. I'm going to struggle. All right, 10 more minutes. All right, five minutes. All right, you can only do this from this time to this time. No one wants to do this, but I'm going to stay in the struggle. All right, so we're going to stand for a closing prayer. Will you join me? I think a lot of the ladies here that went to the retreat, they got a little taste. They got a little taste of tribal. That's what you saw in that video. But you got to open yourself up to it, friends. The one thing that doesn't work about this example, or the, or the other ones for that matter, is it's, it's too clean. You just click it and it works. It's not that clean. What, what we're doing is organic. It's going to take some time. You've got to open yourself up. Anybody with me? Anybody ever get unplugged from a job? Anybody? I mean, or if you're a boss, you've had to unplug. Neither one's pleasant, trust me, if you have any heart or compassion at all. But it hurts. It's not like, oh, well, just put all kinds of emotions and sensitivity. And it also is hard to get together. So you need a predetermined commitment. Predetermined commitment to be tribal. Tribal just means family. That's all it means, family. Live communally. My problem is your problem. Your problem is my problem. Your burden is my burden. Your hurt is my hurt. We can do that. <laughs> if you're new, you know, like, and you brought someone to church with you or something, you're like, he's not usually this anal, but you know, maybe. But putting us on the spot a little bit today. But I feel, I feel compelled to. Because otherwise you're just going to leave and go, well, that was a nice talk. But no change. Just give it a try. Come to that dinner. Get in a group. Five weeks.